welcome to mini episode 155 of Real Life Ghost Stories. And I have five spooky stories for you today. And the last story comes from the 21st of November 2021. And story number one comes from Zoe. The first thing I remember as a really young kid, maybe around the age of two, I lived in California until I was four or five. When living in that house, I remember having multiple imaginary friends who would really talk to me. I used to hear kids in the walls. That's the best way to explain it. But the real kicker was the beautiful ballerina. So maybe the first two sound a little creepier. But the ballerina is and was something different. It's hard to explain. But it was always comforting. She was tall and slender with beautiful long arms and legs. She always wore a classic ballet poofy skirt combo that was either a pastel blue or a baby pink. Her shoes always laced up to around her knee and her brown hair was always pulled up into a tight bun with two pieces falling out either side of her face. She had a very porcelain appearance to her skin. I used to dream of her and daydream of her and see her in rooms around the house. She was comforting to me and in my head, She always reassured me to do what I wanted. I'm almost 20 now, and as I've grown up, I dismissed it as childish dreams, as I wanted to be a ballerina for years. Recently I was talking to my mom and telling her about my ballerina that I used to see. Turns out, a professional ballerina, I believe she was Russian, I could be wrong with that fact, died in our house of cancer, in the room that was next to mine. The second story of this email is more of a memory that I don't think is mine. I've always had the memory of me as a little girl running through a tree orchard with pink ribbons in my hair and wearing a white dress. There were these beautiful arches covered in vines. There was a small pond that was almost like a fairy tale with a large tree next to it. I always remembered that an old woman in a wheelchair She had white or grey hair pulled into a bun and wore a grey sweater. She had wrinkles all over her face. And there was a man that was younger than her. They were in front of a huge white manor that looked like it was plucked out of Mexico. A huge circular fountain with levels so the water could flow down. I never thought it was a strange memory, because for as long as I could remember, it's always been a fond one. I also lived in California when I was little. And since there is a Mexican culture there, I assumed it was somewhere my parents took me to. Or it was somewhere in Mexico. We did have family there and visited a decent amount. The problem was that I could never remember my parents being with me in the memory. It was me and the old woman and a man. One day about a year ago I asked my mom if her, my dad and maybe someone in the family took me somewhere like that. I described the manor in detail and the ground surrounding it, and she seemed confused and didn't know what I was talking about. I left to go out with a family friend shortly after, and my mom texted me. I asked your dad about your memory, and he says that he doesn't know how you know that. We agreed to talk when I got home. I asked about it, and he didn't want to talk to me about it. My mom, though, she was excited to tell me. My dad had told her, that I perfectly described where him and his older sister would go in Mexico every summer with their parents. It was a family friend. My dad's sister was older 
and went with their parents before he was born. She died before I was born, sadly. Him and his parents both always say I remind them of her. I like to believe she looks over me and gives me a memory that she was fond of. I'd never been to that house. Those family friends passed away before I was born. I've never seen a physical image of that house. And believe me, I've done some digging. But now my dad is weirded out by me knowing something that he had never shared. I think so many little children fantasise about being a ballerina. That's a very standard, normal kid fantasy to have. So of course you'd think, I didn't actually see a ballerina. That was just my fantasy. That was just what I wanted to be when I grew up. So you'd definitely dismiss it. Until of course you find out that a ballerina lived in the house and died in the house. And if that old woman was to return as a ballerina, it would make sense that she would return in her prime. And ballerinas, like, as a profession, ballet is absolutely just so hard. So, so hard. And their entire life is dedicated to ballet. Their entire life. So, of course, she would come back as a ballerina in her prime. And that second story about that house. Your dad must have gotten the fright of his life. Because I would have. I definitely would have if it was one of my siblings. Especially the fact that your dad's sister passed away before you were born. We hear those stories all the time about family members who have passed away before a child is born and the child is born and they remember things about that family member. It must be really nice though to think that your lost aunt has left you with this memory that she was really happy in, that she was really fond of. That was obviously a really good time in her life. And story number two comes from Blaine. First off, I'm sceptical of everything and open to anything, but I always think logically and reasonably, so it's hard for me to get scared, because I always think of the most reasonable explanation. It was a normal night, and I was smoking alone in our garage. Two of my roommates were already asleep. I came inside the house to let the dogs out. I sat down on the couch and was watching a movie waiting for my wife to get home from work. At some point I fell asleep. And when I woke up, I went to let the dogs inside and then locked the door and went to sleep. I woke up later in the night, but I was back on the couch, assuming I was still stoned and maybe I just forgot and fell asleep on the couch again. I saw the door swinging open and went to let the dogs in and close the door. The dogs shot inside the house and a massive black silhouette of a man came into my house and grabbed my throat and started choking me. He had no eyes, no face no sharp lines, nothing. It was just a black silhouette, but it looked like a shadow dressed in an old detective's outfit from the 1920s. My dumbass, thinking this is someone breaking into our house and trying to murder me, I immediately started screaming for my roommate Ryan, because I knew he always kept a loaded gun by his bedside, and I was being choked on the ground right in front of his door. The shadow never spoke a word, and never made a sound, and it never stopped choking me. I woke up screaming. My wife was shaking me and looked like she was about to start crying. I felt like I had been torn from my reality and shoved into another abruptly. Everything was very foggy and I couldn't understand what had happened. But I thought that I was going to be choked to death by this unbelievably strong shadow entity. This had never happened before and has never happened since. But I wanted to share it because it seemed like something that has happened to a massive amount of people but normally in some form of sleep paralysis. 
but this was more like a night terror experience. I had absolutely no knowledge of a shadow man or a hat man before my experience, but I went deep into research afterwards and was even more confused by how many people from all around the world have had a similar experience. Admittedly, I've had tons of extremely bizarre and realistic dreams, but in dreams I like to explore the things I can control within my own dreams, and this experience had no hint of a dream in any aspect. Hatman, ah, choking in the nightman, ah, attacker of the stoned. I don't know if that's a niche reference, but um, I feel like it's probably a niche reference. And I'm not trying to make light of your situation because it sounds horrific. Sounds horrendous. Sounds awful. And I don't smoke, so I know very little about the impacts of smoking long term. But I'm presuming that if you're a long term smoker, like a long time smoker, that when you're stoned and you think that something weird happens, you will intellectually know later, if not at the time, that it's happening because you're stoned. Right? Um, I don't know if that's very naive of me. It probably is. Anytime I ever say anything about smoking weed, (laughs) people are like, that's not what happens when you smoke weed. I would be interested to know if we've got any other people out there who've had physical interactions with a hat man. Was this just a form of really extreme sleep paralysis? Or was it something more sinister? And story number two comes from Jamie. I'm from a small town in Texas. And from a young age, I would have feelings of the paranormal. Like most people experience now and then, I would feel like I was being watched. Although my being watched felt what I suspect was different from most. Evil in nature. When I was 14, my mother and father reconciled after a lengthy separation. One of my mother's conditions for rekindling their marriage was to buy a new home together. Too many bad memories in the old home. Or so she said. I was so excited because we were looking at brick homes in very nice neighbourhoods, which was much different than the trailer we'd grown up in. It was a nice trailer, but a trailer nonetheless. So the thought that I would have a nice big room was exciting to me. It didn't take long to find one that she liked. Personally, there were others we looked at that were nicer, but something about that house drew her in and quickly began trying to kick me out. When I turned 15 was when I had my first experience. It was late. My sister had already moved out to live on her own and my parents were asleep. This was before the time of handy dandy cell phones so I was on the landline telephone in my bedroom. I remember I was speaking to my friend Andrew as a matter of fact. I told him to hang on a couple of minutes because I was quite hungry and wanted to quickly microwave something to eat. While my food was in the microwave was the first time I ever felt something watching me. I tried to ignore it. It's only night time, Jamie. It's only the late hour, I would say. It didn't help that my mother obviously had no intentions of having blinds or curtains in the living room, where anyone and everyone could see inside our home at all hours of the day and night. And I reminded myself of that also. After all, they could see me from the microwave right then. But it felt different. I can only describe it as a fight-or-flight feeling inside me, but I stayed there waiting in the kitchen nonetheless. I'd finally had enough of the feeling and decided, warm or not, it was time to get my food and run back to my room. My hand had been resting on the counter behind me, and when I turned to the microwave where my hand was resting, I saw briefly a hand on top of mine. 
It disappeared as quickly as I had seen it and I never even felt it there. But it didn't matter. With the food still in the microwave and the knowledge that apparently I favour flight, I ran back across the living room, down the dark hallway and into my room. All the while forgetting that poor Andrew was on the phone. When I finally caught my breath, I picked the phone back up but never told my friend what happened. However, the next day I did have a talk with my mother. Now, my mother believes in these sorts of things, but I gathered that for some reason she wasn't believing me. So I let the subject drop completely and convinced myself that my imagination had run away at that late hour. It was two in the morning after all. But then the instances grew stronger and more frightening. Even now I get chills when I remember the things that this ghost would do to me. I've heard before that a ghost, especially one not so friendly, will target one person who is the easiest to communicate with or control. And when I hit 16, this became all too clear. My father had taken a job three hours away for better pay, so he was gone during the week. And my mother had to be at work at 7.30am every morning, and her work was one and a half hours away. So I always spent my mornings alone, and I had to be at school at 7am because I took an extra course. Now you would think a 16 year old would turn the music on, blast and dance around the house while they were getting ready for school, relishing the alone time. But for me, it was no dancing matter. I tried to stay in my room different ways. Door open, door closed, radio on, radio off, same with the TV. And nothing helped. As soon as my mother's car would drive away, a feeling of impending doom would settle over the house and definitely settle over me. By this time, my mother and father were well aware of my ghost stories and my mother had even playfully named it Bill. It caught on quickly and it was actually much easier to say Bill was here today rather than saying that entity that feels like the devil was here today. And the feelings when my parents were gone and Bill would show up are still fresh in my mind now 20 years later. For four years I had to deal with Bill. One day I said aloud to myself, Ugh, I have to take a shower, it's so early though. And suddenly I heard the crashing of water coming on in my bathroom. When I went to investigate, the bathtub water was running full force. I backed out of the room, grabbed my shit for the day and left the house and the fucking faucet on. I just had to leave. Another morning, Bill decided to turn on the TV in the living room. It wouldn't have been so scary, but when he did, the TV was blaring louder than I thought it would even go and this of course was before smart TVs that could do that sort of thing on their own but again I felt threatened and turned tail and ran just a few months later my grandmother my mom's mom who had never been sick before fell ill and it became life-threatening she moved in with us into the spare bedroom and the instances only became more frequent It got to the point where I would leave the house when my mother did at 6am and go and sit in the school parking lot until 7am when school started. I would dress there, do my makeup there and usually put my hair up or do it the night before. Anything to get away from Bill. When it escalated, I was all but hysterical. Looking back, I wish I wouldn't have burdened my mother with my ghost stories as she was aiding in her mother's care around the clock. But one day... Bill was just gone. I couldn't feel him anymore. I would wait around inside the house alone, 
waiting for another early morning scare. But it didn't come. A short month later, my grandmother lost her battle and we laid her to rest. She had been my best friend, so I was more hurt than most, I think. But shortly after her death, my mother came to me and asked me if I had any recent trouble with Bill. And I told her that actually I hadn't. And she smiled. But it was an odd one. She said, Well, at least he listened to me. But be prepared for his return. I promised him he could. Confused, I asked her what she meant. She told me that when she came home from work one day, she was very stressed over work, over Bill, over Grandma, and she sat in the middle of our living room when no one was home and cried and called out to Bill, saying that if he must be here, can he at least wait to terrorise us until after her mother dies? It was all too much for her. She pleaded with him to give us some peace. She told him he could come back, just let her mother die first. And so he did. Personally, I never felt him again. But when I turned 20, my husband and I got our own apartment. And my mother called me the next day and said, when she and my father lay down for the night, after our wedding and after us leaving, they snuggled in and were just about to doze off when their bedroom light came on. Bill was back. Now they are believers. Since then, my husband and I have bought our own home 13 years ago. It was new, never lived in, so I thought I was safe. But when I walked into the guest bedroom, I sensed something there. A foreboding. But the feeling went away over the years, until about two years ago. Now my husband, in all his humour, has dubbed the bathroom entity Angela. And when I would use the bathroom, he would call out to me, Beware of Angela! but it didn't take long for it to become all too real for him. Of course, I was the first to feel Angela here, but the feeling was quite different than Bill's. She felt almost kind, even playful. She liked walking around the kitchen and playing my music box, even though the box can't play without the lid open, but somehow she manages it. And not unlike my parents, he didn't believe me. Until... One night we were in bed and we sleep with our door open. My husband was having a terrible time trying to sleep, so he turned on the TV in our bedroom. And then he heard it. He heard Angela walk from the laundry room, through the kitchen, and to the dining room. He looked at me and I was peacefully asleep. My husband does not scare easily, but it frightened him so much that he sprinted to the door and slammed it shut until morning. Now he always shuts the door before bed. Personally, I enjoy Angela. She's a pleasant change from Bill. I think that evil is like a complex and very subjective term, but we're going to use it for the sake of talking about this story. So if this Bill entity really was evil, and if we imagine that evil is just bad, like really, really bad, the epitome of bad, then there's no way that this evil entity would disappear on the mother's request because it felt sorry for her with her mother dying, you know? If it was really, really evil, there's no way it would do that. It would just be like, nah, fuck you, I don't care that your mother's dying, I'm going to stay hanging around and making your life a misery, because surely it would enjoy the double misery of the family trauma and then also the trauma of having a ghost around. So why then do some entities just behave like dicks? Like, what's the reason for it? What's the need for Bill to be actively going around scaring young girls? 
and making them feel uncomfortable and making them feel like they're being watched and making them feel like there's evil around them. There's no need for it, Bill. No need for it at all. To be honest, Angela does sound like a much a much nicer entity than Bill. A much more preferable entity to have knocking around the house, for sure. And story number four comes from Scarlett. During the summer holidays, I was at the park with my son. He was playing on some equipment on his own, and we were the only ones in this part of the play park. I was standing about two metres away from him, in an open area, and there was clearly nobody around me. I took a step back, to my right, and I bumped into someone. As I started to apologise profusely, I'm British you see, for basically walking into this person, I noticed that there was no one standing next to me. As I gathered myself, I recalled seeing a bright fuzzy shape in the space where the supposed human should have been standing. It's really hard to explain what I saw. It was bright but very faint. It was fuzzy and almost oval-shaped. And it was floating. It wasn't human form. No part of it had made contact with the ground. It was weird as fuck. Anyway, a few weeks ago I was relaying this event to my mum and she said I should look up deaths in the area. So I googled Deaths Worthing Homefield Park and the third link caught my attention. It was entitled Unsolved Murder 1905. So naturally I immediately read the article and here is what it said. The body of a newly born child was found in the lake at Homefield Park. It was found by a corporation worker, a gardener, on the afternoon of Thursday the 27th of April 1905. The child was nude, but its face was covered with a brown paper bag that had been tied up with string, although there were no marks on the paper to aid identification in any way. The gardener said that he found the child's body lying face down in the lake and it was taken out of the water by another gardener while he went off for the police. The second gardener said he had previously passed the lake but had seen nothing. The police reiterated that the child's face was covered with brown paper and tied with a string and suggested that owing to the presence of the string around the child's neck that the child might have been strangled. However, the doctor that carried out the child's post-mortem said there were no marks of violence on the body and that he didn't consider that the presence of the string around the child's neck pointed to it having been strangled. He said the child had probably breathed for a short time after its birth but noted that he didn't mean that in the legal sense, that it had had a separate existence, and said that if proper attention had been given to the child at birth, then it might have lived. He said that he was of the opinion that the child had been dead for between two and four weeks, and that it had been in the water for about a week. Suffice to say, I crumbled. This really disturbed me. I have been visited by numerous child ghosts in my time, and my mum said that the spirit of this baby wanted me to notice him, a reoccurring theme with child spirits in me. I have an affinity with children. I've dedicated my life to working with them in numerous capacities. Ghost children seem to reach out to me. And if it was indeed the spirit of this nameless baby boy, I'm pretty freaked out. I think the stories of people walking, like taking a step back and walking into somebody are so compelling. Because your natural reaction is to assume, obviously, it's a person and you say, oh, Sorry about that, didn't see you. And then there's nobody there. Like, what are you walking into? Like, if somebody had said, oh, I walked through a cold blast of air that I thought was a spirit, 
you know, there's ways and means to explain that away. But I don't know how you explain away taking a step backwards and physically walking into somebody. It's not an emotional feeling. It's a physical feeling. And that story about that poor baby is so sad. And there are a million and one different reasons as to why that baby could have ended up in that lake. Um, And I'm not even going to speculate about them. But maybe that is what happened. Maybe you have an affinity for children. Maybe this child ghost, the spirit of this child, felt comfortable revealing itself to you and just wanted to be known, which is very sad, but also very sweet. And story number five comes from Georgia. My story starts in my family home. Both my parents, me and my brother and sister had lived in since I was three years old. The house belonged to an elderly lady and her son before us. It's quite a sad story, actually. The son was an alcoholic and his mother dropped dead of a heart attack one day in the middle of the local Debenhams. My mum told me of how I used to have nightmares about an old lady coming out of the attic hatch when I was four or five. But other than that, I have no memories of anything out of the ordinary until I was around the age of 12, when I became terrified of the house. Near enough every morning, I would be up until the small hours, feeling uneasy as if someone was watching me. I shared a room with my little sister and felt drawn to the corner at the end of her bed, as if something was there, but I couldn't bear to look. Often there would be loud noises, usually the radiator banging, which you would assume was the sound of the house heating up. However, I remember several times getting frustrated with the constant noise, and shouting, shut the fuck up, and it actually did. I'd be so terrified, usually I would have the duvet up over my face, too scared to look across the room in case I'd find a face staring back at me. At times I'd hear whispering and feel a pressure as if someone had sat down on the bed next to me. But by far the most terrifying thing was the constant ticking of a clock that was never there. The dining room was another place I couldn't stand. Sitting in there, it felt like there was someone in the room with you no matter what time of day it was. I remember one occasion around the age of 14, I was home alone and could smell a very potent perfume smell similar to roses. Couldn't work out where the smell was coming from and when my dad came home from work, I asked him what is that awful smell? He looked me dead in the eyes and told me it was the perfume of the old lady that used to live here and that sometimes... He could smell the scent of stale smoke too. It absolutely terrified me as I would never expect a statement like that from my dad, a very logical, no-nonsense man. At the age of 16, my relationship with my parents broke down and I moved out. Every place I've lived in since then, I felt perfectly fine. So I soon forgot about the horrible experience and put it down to an overactive imagination as a teenager. That was until recently. I'm now 24 and have a good relationship with my parents. Sometime last year, we were all sat in the garden of the family home having lunch and my mum made a joke to my dad about the dark figure in the kitchen. Shocked by this, I pressed for them to tell me what they were talking about. My dad then proceeded to tell me about the shadow figure he catches out of the corner of his eye occasionally when he's in the kitchen. He said it's a small figure, similar to a child which peers around the corner of the kitchen door, but when he turns around, there's no one there. My mum has never seen it, and my dad had always put it down to his imagination, until about eight years ago when we got a dog. Often, he would see the figure and assume it was the dog wandering around the house. However, every time he went to check, 
the dog would be fast asleep in its bed. I told them all about my experiences and we all agreed the most uncomfortable room in the house is the dining room. I was so surprised to hear every single one of them felt watched in that room. My sister went on to tell us about the times that she would wake up and think she'd seen a figure at the end of the bed, in the corner, that I'd always felt drawn to as a child. Several months later, my boyfriend bought my dad a smart camera as a birthday present. My dad put the camera in the hallway facing the stairs. Now the camera can be armed to record a 12 second clip whenever it senses movement or sound. And one night, my dad accidentally left the camera armed. At 3am, the camera caught footage of something strange. It almost looked like a fly or a moth. However, it seems to change shape. At the start of the footage, it looks almost as if a tissue has been pulled out of the box on the shelf underneath the camera and thrown into the air. But then as the shape moves across the room, it becomes long and looks similar to a millipede. The shape then weaves in and out of the pillars on the banister of the stairs and disappears. The scariest part is that the camera wasn't activated by this movement. It was activated by a loud bang just before this, which no one in the house heard. As a family, we've had many conversations about what this could be. Of course, the most likely conclusion would be some sort of insect. However, to be an insect, it has to be at least a foot in length. And I can confidently say in my 24 years of living in England, I've never seen an insect of that size. Of course, I've asked my dad to move the camera into the kitchen to see if he could capture the shadow figure. However, he wasn't keen on the idea. I can understand why. If I still lived in the house, I don't think I would want to know either. But I can't help but be curious. That's such a good point, right? I would also want to know, but then very, very definitely not want to know. I think if you're setting up a camera, you have to be prepared that you might not get, you might not get the answer that you're looking for. And then if you do set up the camera and the camera catches the shadow figure or the camera catches whatever it is, suddenly all of your thoughts have been validated, all of your ideas about the house, and then what do you do? Just get on with it knowing that it's real and your whole idea around life and mortality has been turned upside down? Oh no, I'd rather live in blissful ignorance to be honest. I definitely think the worst part about that story is the uh, the old lady coming out of the attic. I know that was dreams, I know that was dreams, but the idea of an old lady coming out of the attic is so terrifying. Somebody get on that, make a horror film. Thanks very much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Thank you to Zoe, Blaine, Jamie, Scarlett and Georgia for sending in your stories. Remember, the last story came from the 21st of November 2021. If you are super desperate for more content, then you can sign up to patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content and also all of the main episodes and mini episodes completely ad free. And as an aside, the first of the month or the beginning of the month is the best time to sign up to Patreon because you pay for the month in advance. If you want to find out anything about the podcast, you can check out reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you next time.